You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hi, this is Paul from Outer Loop Coaching. And before I dive into this week's quick tip, I wanted to give you a heads up that the pre-registration period for Release It Right, the Silver Scream Edition, is ending this Friday at midnight Eastern Standard Time. And so you need to get in now if you want to get this program for only $67. After that, after the pre-registration period is over, the price is going to go way, 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 way up. So you want to get in there. Outerloopcoaching.thinkific.com Dot com. That's Outer Loop Coaching, all one word, dot thinkific, T-H-I-N-K-I-F-I-C dot com. And you can pre-register now until midnight, March 1st, Eastern Standard Time, 67 bucks. And you're going to want to dive in. Get some more information at the website. And thank you very much. Now this week's quick tip. Hi, this is Paul from Outer Loop Coaching and OuterLoopCoaching.com. I'm here to talk to you this week to answer the question once and for all, do you need a producer? Before we dive in, real quick, go to OuterLoopCoaching.com right now. Download for free the Music Management Primer written by Mike Mowry of Outer Loop Coaching, Outer Loop Records, and Outer Loop Group, Outer Loop Management. He's the man. It's a great book, and it's free. Do it now. Also, if you're listening to this on Mike Mowry's Managemental Podcast, subscribe to us on YouTube at Outer Loop Records, and you'll be able to see this in all of its visual glory. Now, if you are on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the Managemental Podcast. It has got great, great information about the music business, the modern music business that you can apply to your career right now. Don't hesitate. Lots to do, but let's get back to it. Answering the question, do you need a producer? My answer might surprise you. Are you ready? Yes! Yes, you need a producer. You absolutely must be working with a great producer to make the most out of your songs. If you don't have the money for a producer to record an entire album, record less and spend some of that money on a producer. It is absolutely in un, unimaginable to me why so many musicians wait so long in their career to work with somebody who will know how to make their songs better. We talked last week about all the value of a producer. So make sure you go back and listen to that one and and, and take it in, soak it in. Don't let anybody tell you that you don't need one. Now, where do you find one? Your favorite albums. Start there. Try to network your way to the producers who are able to make the songs that sound a bit like the ones you want to make. The ones that sound like the idealized version of the songs that you're playing in your bedroom in your garage right now. Now, if you're having trouble networking to some of the best producers in the world, that's totally understandable. Use your local network. Find a great producer in your town. Not somebody who is just somebody who is good at being an engineer. I'm talking about a real 
real producer who will listen to your demos and give you great advice. Now, what, uh, what should they do? Find one who will help you write, arrange, and produce the songs, okay? Tim from the great band Rozu in our exclusive Facebook group had some amazingly great advice. He says, get them involved in the demo process. And he's absolutely right. So once again, do you need a producer? Absolutely, yes. Spend the money on somebody who is going to make you sound the best that you possibly can. Next week, I'm going to talk about whether you should record an album or an EP. You don't want to miss it. Now, in YouTube, underneath, down below, first of all, like the video. I'd appreciate it. Subscribe. I'd appreciate it. Down below. Yes or no? Did I talk you into using a producer? I'd love to know. That's it. Yes. No. Real simple. Thank you very much. Outerloopcoaching.com. Once again, I'm Paul. I'll see you next week. Hello and welcome to episode 106 of the Managemental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback. So please rate and review and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry. What's going on, Mr. B B B B B B B B Blasco? What's going on? Hey, man, third time's a charm. Yes. I'm getting a little wild on this one. Woo! In the last episode, we got into part two of our three-part series of advice from our peers in the biz. That was a really great episode as well as the one before it. Uh, So check those out if you haven't already. This week, we conclude our three-part series. This is going to be killer, so let's get mental. I'm just imagining us shooting three-pointers like the big basketball stars. Yeah. That's what I think of with that number three. (laughs) Clippers or the Lakers? (laughs) (laughs) You take your pick. <laughs> totally. Well, uh, let's get into it. So just to recap, um, this is our third part in a three-part series called Advice from the Industry. So if you're listening to this episode here, 106, uh, it couldn't hurt to go back and check out uh, episodes 104 and 105. You don't have to, but if you like what's in this episode, you'll like what's in those episodes as well. So yeah, and and you know I said this in the last episode, but I I think it's worth reinforcing. I mean, you know, those of you who are listening, you're so fortunate to to have access to things like this, and it's really cool that so many of these people that are giving advice, they're giving it from a place of you know they've been there, they've either been there themselves or they've been there with artists that they've worked with, and you know with their time in the business. So it's awesome that they're you know willfully sharing this with you. And so really dig in. And if you like something that you hear, you know, of course, let us know. Uh, But also let the person that wrote that particular, uh, you know, bit in any of these episodes, let them know. Find them on socials. We'll try to link to them. Um, But yeah, that's my take on that. Yeah. 
so number one kicks off uh, with a contribution from Janelle Rogers from Greenlight Go Publicity. Blend old school with new. The key to success in 2019 is blending old school with new school. As musicians embrace direct-to-fan social media tools and streaming options, they should also look at how to connect with the gatekeepers in media and influencers who can spread the word to the masses about their music. Blog coverage has been proven influential with the powers that be on the streaming platforms and also with booking opportunities. Streaming engagement and social media followings are just as important with influencing bloggers. Everything you do in 2019 should be with the interconnectivity in mind. I love this because sometimes it's like a concept that, of course, I think of all the time, but just haven't said it this eloquently. We're always doing this, blending old school and new school as new technologies, socials, platforms, distribution mechanisms emerge. That's new right? But we've always got one foot rooted in what's worked and that's old. And so I love it. I mean, just without even the description, just blend old school with new school is so succinct and to the point of what it does take. You know, you and I, I think one of the reasons we connect is from the minute that we really started talking business, we've always embraced what's coming next, right? We haven't always necessarily known exactly what it's going to mean, but neither of us have ever said, oh, well, we've got to stay rooted in our, you know, in in the old way of doing things. That's where it's comfortable. And that's where, you know, we see that the only way for us and the artists to make, you know, a living. It's like, no, we've always bonded over the idea that there's, you know, I think, and that's because of our love and our shared, you know, passion for essentially a professional DIY, you know, kind of approach to things. We want to empower our artists. We want to keep as many of the tools, you know, to, to access fans and success in their hands. And that's what so many of these new emerging technologies do, but things are tried and true for a reason. And that's what, I mean, I don't know, this is just so on point to me. I'm stoked that we're starting this episode out this way. Yeah, I think music has a tendency to be cyclical in that things that were popular at some point need an opportunity to die off so that their resurgence becomes more impactful 10 years later, 15 years later, 20 years later, right? Now, whether that's a phys- whether that's a product of some kind or whether that's a music style of some kind, right? We we tend to see things come back around. So, and and that and that's what's interesting with blend old school with new. It's not necessarily it's not necessarily just like a marketing tactic where like, yep, you got to be on socials, but maybe it couldn't hurt to print up some flyers and go staple them to some telephone poles or, and pass them out at record stores or stand in front of a gig or put a flyer in 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 a you know go to a parking lot and flyer all the all the cars on the windshield wipers or whatever right that's old school meets new school maybe maybe it's that um, because that will make you feel unique because not everyone is doing that now we've all left behind the old school physical promotions but if you do that now you're blending both schools and that will set you apart think of this think of vinyl how the resurgence of vinyl and we're definitely deep in the 
in the throes of that happening. But now, Mike, do you know that the cassette resurgence is on an upward trajectory? That blows my mind. Not, I mean, it, it just in a way of like, like where the where are you going to play one of those? <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, I, I could derail this episode and talk ad nauseum of you know sort of the. Uh, dare I say stupidity of a cassette resurgence. I mean, at least vinyl, you're feeling an experience. Whereas a cassette, it's like, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing fun about rewind. You know, remember hand rewinding some of the cassette things, but but maybe it's it's about, maybe it's, maybe it's just about the packaging and it's, and it's people wanting to feel like a tangible physical product. And just opening up and looking the packaging or whatever. Yeah, I can listen to it on Spotify, but like, how boring is that, right? Like, it's my phone. It's the same for everybody else. Whereas the, the conceptually, the idea behind the marketing and layout of, of a cassette maybe is what turns people on and why we're seeing such a significant resurgence in cassette sales. Yeah, I mean, look, there, there's some novelty in it. And again, it's the old school component is it's proven. You know, people do you know, at, at least there are, there are holdouts like us who we experienced music by touching something physical first mm-hmm. and, and then listening to it. And so as long as people like us still exist, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to, to crave that experience. Not all the time. You and I have talked about it on other episodes. We love the fact that, you know, you can send a track to me while I'm driving down, you know, the road and I can pull it up and listen to it right then and there. That said, if it's a weekend and I'm chilling at home and want to experience something, yeah, I may want to put it on my record player. Yep. Who knows? Maybe somebody out there craves the cassette experience. So I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, the, the overall point is from my end, it's like, you know, as much as you can embrace what's coming, if you, if you're rooted in you know, what, what exists and what's tried and true, you're going to, you're going to be able to find some, you know, and, and it's not, it's not like a clearly defined, like 50%, you know, in the old and 50% in the new, it's going to waver from week to week, from month to month, from year to year, from release to release. Um, and, and really when I think about old school meets new school, I can't help but think about Aerosmith and run DMC doing walk. This way. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good example. You know, I mean, I think that that's, you know, something to consider when you're, when, you know, you're thinking of, oh, what should we do? Find a cover song, go, go find some band in your area that's completely opposite of you and do a mashup of something and put it out there. And like, maybe that's a really good idea. You know, I don't know. Um, uh, Number two is contributed by Cherry Who uh, from Freelance Journalist. Or maybe she just is a freelance journalist. <laughs> uh, she is, and and Sherry's awesome. I've actually done a panel with her at South by Southwest. Um, oh, cool! And she writes for Forbes and a number of other oh, magazines. Wow. And she's really just uh, she's a great resource. So great. So she contributes number two. Get with the power of music subscriptions. The dominant business model for digital music today seems to revolve around a user subscribing to a platform rather than to an individual artist with the platform dictating revenue distribution. But a growing number of companies like Patreon, Kickstarter's Drip, and newly launched uh, Mixcloud Select 
are offering fans the opportunity to subscribe directly to their favorite artists or labels for a monthly fee in exchange for exclusive content, access to subscriber events, and other perks. In this scenario, the artist owns a direct line of communication with fans, keeps the lion's share of revenue, and can more effectively segment and service these fans with what is currently possible in a mass market streaming environment. I love this. I mean, again, it sort of piggybacks on, you know, the the first one of blending old school with new school. This is new school. I mean, this is absolutely new school in terms of the accessibility to it. You know, it's old school and the fact that it's essentially a fan club, you know, it's yeah. a modern day fan club in the old days, the individual artist couldn't do, they couldn't implement a fan club, you know, unless they were on the biggest level. What's beautiful about, you know, these you know, platforms that she talks about Patreon, Kickstarter drip, and I haven't done anything with Mixcloud select is, you know, they allow it, it to work for anyone, provided that it's done correctly. The one thing that I'll, you know, uh, put an asterisk on is, you know, the ability to get your fans to do this does depend on, you know, a little bit of how big your fan base is. You know, I would say the expectation of somewhere from one to three percent of your existing fan base. Now, how you measure that, if it's Instagram followers or Facebook likes or Spotify, you know, monthly listeners or some combination of all three, you should expect, you know, in the neighborhood of one to three percent of those people to support you in some sort of, you know, paid capacity. So if your number on all of those individually, you know, those other platforms or, you know, in total is really small. You, you can't take this step until you've grown that in, in a way and seen that, you know, your fans will support you. Yep. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and while we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Uh, number three uh, is contributed by Cheryl B. Engelhart from In the Key of Success. Uh, do the thing. My biggest piece of advice is to stop buzzing for a few days and do the thing. What does that mean? For me, I am constantly juggling multiple projects, which I love, but at some point, something is getting pushed to the back burner. The thing for me was finishing writing my email series to my fans. Get good at email this year. Take the time to do it right. It's your gold mine. It's your relationship with your fans. It's your access to growing your career. Stop buzzing and set it up right. You will be relieved when you do. 
Yeah, this is kind of cool. And I think, you know, she's a bit general or, you know, maybe the email component of what she does, which it sounds like she's a blogger um, and developing that, you know, component of her business. It really sounds like she was doing what many of us do, which is kind of get distracted by the many things that we happen to be involved with. And so if you're a band, right, and you're trying to plan a tour, but you're also trying to record and you're trying to, you know, do 13 other things and you're not actually finishing any one of them or at least finishing them, you know, with, you know, on a level that you're satisfied with, it might be because you're, you're using so many things to keep yourself distracted. And so what I'm interpreting, she's saying is the thing is, you know, identify what is really going to be your main driver. In her case, she feels like it's it's emails. And then she dug in, she took the time, she set everything else aside for a little bit, and she knocked out her email series, right? It would have been probably very easy for her to go on and do the 13 other things that she does on a daily basis and not finish that. And I get guilty of this sometimes. I'm sure you do, Blasco, and I see artists get guilty of it all the time. There's some, you know, a comfort in being busy by doing a lot, you know, and that can distract us from the better, you know, not even the better, just taking that time when the timing's right to dig in, be disciplined, and knock out the, the thing that's going to, you know, really drive your success. Dude, whenever, when, Everything is a priority. Nothing gets done. <laughs> like you, you have to really kind of pick and choose your focus moments, right? If I if I'm like analyzing this as what she's saying is the thing, um, it's like option paralysis, right? Like we get so like consumed, and you got to figure most people listening probably have jobs that they go to, you know, that consume a better part of their free time. So, um, you know, it, it, it should be about like, look, sometimes you got to take a step back, look at what's in front of you and really makes like two or three significant priorities that you got to focus on from start to finish and get it done before you move on to the next thing. Because doing little to-do lists on a hundred different things really gets you nowhere. And, and you're just, it's just wasted momentum. It's like, Get something done, focus, move on to the next one, get that done. And you'll really find a difference of your, of your completion of of feeling like, you know, I've, I've completed something and I'm, I'm now able to move on. Um, Is that a fair way of kind of, of analyzing what she's saying here? Absolutely. And, and, you know, it is, I mean, you get a sense of accomplishment when you, many of us do, you, you know, however you do it, create yourself a list and start checking off the to do, you know, scratch through the to do's. It might seem silly and it might not seem as if, you know, it's, it's all happening at, you know, exactly how you want it to, or at the rate that you'd want it to. But there is that sense of pride when you are able to, you know, say, yep, I did this, I did this, I did this. It builds, it, you know, it snowballs, which mm-hmm. or at least I've found it snowballs. So totally. Uh, number four is contributed from Megan Wright from Symphonic Distribution. Evolve to thrive. As the industry changes, the best advice I can give is to be adaptive. Just like animals in the wild, you need to evolve to thrive. This means staying on top of trends 
constantly educating yourself through podcasts, books, and timely articles. Whether you're an artist or an industry player, the more you know, the more you can present yourself as a professional in your field. I can say this also from the artist perspective. I taught myself almost everything I know about independent marketing and release strategy and curated symbiotic relationships in the industry through networking and scene involvement while I was an active professional touring artist. That means going to shows, going to events, and putting yourself out there. If you want to make it in the jungle, be a beast. <laughs> Dude, that is so cool. I love that she references animals in the wild, the jungle <laughs> being a beast. And just, again, like the titles of these, Evolve to Thrive. Like how simple yet eloquent, right? Yep. And, and, and that's the thing. Like there is some simplicity in this stuff. We like to make it complicated. It's not incredibly complicated. What it is is you you can't identify until you've done this long enough. And even when, you know, I mean, you and I go to things like she's saying, we go to shows, we go to events, we put ourselves out there. And it's not that we run into somebody on a Tuesday at a place and that Wednesday that, you know, interaction materializes into something. We've talked about it. It could come six months from then. It could come a year from then. It could never come or it might not have materialized yet. But the fact that we're out there, we're doing what we can within reason. You don't want to drive yourselves crazy. The jungle is a big place. Even if you're going to be a beast, doesn't mean you can be everywhere. you got to go in and play. And I love just Evolve to Thrive, man. This is this is cool. I, <laughs> I'm blown away by what we're covering here, man. I'm learning stuff and really just gung-ho on this entire thing. Oh, totally. No, I love this. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, look for nothing else. It's like, yeah, you do kind of, you gotta, you gotta be flexible, I think. Um, and you gotta, you gotta roll with it and you have to be aware of what's going on around you. I mean, so often, I don't know about you, Mike, but so often I'll get, you know, uh, like a submission and I'm just like, wow, like, this just sounds like so five years ago, which I guess in some ways makes sense, right? In that, they probably started this band five years ago whenever a certain music trend was hot. And now they're just getting around to getting their music done and submitting it around and doing what they're doing. And it just sounds like tired. Right. And um, so, which, you know, look, I get it. Right. Like I understand there's only so much time in the day. There's only so much access to everything around you. And there's only so much you know, time you're willing to put into absorbing what's around you. But um, but you know, but, but that's just the reality, you know? And, and so you do need to be adaptive and you, and you really do need to understand what's around you and making those quick pivots is tough. You know, if, if you're, if you're dug in and you know, you're in that trench and you're just going for it and you, this, you want sound this way, that's cool. Stick to it, stick to your guns, you know, go, go out there and, and do your thing. It, it, it is, it's tough. To, to be all these things that she's suggesting. But if you are able to do that, um, I think you'll, you'll see some really positive results out of being more flexible in your approach. Uh, number five, um, number, uh, the final number five of our three part series, Mike, we're wrapping it up here. Um, uh, this is from Melissa Nastasi uh, from city bird publicity. Be patient. One piece of advice I would strongly give to artists is to be patient. 
With the world of marketing and publicity forever changing, mainly on a year-to-year basis, the game often isn't the same as you remember or how your friends told you it would be. Before heading out into the world, be sure you are putting together a strong timeline and string of assets going out, which will help you give a cohesive push moving forward. Remember, success doesn't usually happen overnight. Writers who may have covered your music or prior band in the past may no longer be writing at a certain publication, etc. The same goes for Spotify playlists. Don't get discouraged if publications and playlists do not pick up your music and story immediately, as sometimes they have an inbox full of new music to digest on the daily. I'm not going to say a lot about this. I'm just going to say that, like, from my experience, patience is something that's learned in this business. Even I want things to happen faster than they often do. And I've got to consistently remind myself that if the fundamentals are there and I'm, it's meant to happen, it will eventually happen. I just need to get out of my own damn way and allow it to materialize at the pace that it's going to, to do. So being patient is probably, I love that we're ending on this one, is probably the actual most important thing after all the fundamentals are taken care of. I agree hundred percent. I mean, it's, I mean, even with Mike, even with seasoned guys, right? There's this, this level of impatience that I think is, is somewhat like just part of the artist, uh, like artist mentality. Like the, it's like the artist DNA is just inherently impatient. Um, and, and I think for new bands, it's even more so, not so much of like, yes, you have to be patient and that, you know, things aren't going to happen overnight, but more so of like, don't send people like Mike and I, your unfinished, unmastered demos, like get it done, put your best foot forward, make sure that your presentation is as precise as possible. Um, I understand why you're impatient, why you want us to hear it. And because to you, you can see the end result, but understand that people in the industry don't share your vision because we're not you and we're not, we're not supposed to get it right. We aren't, we aren't, we aren't supposed to see through, see through all this and just be like, Oh oh, yeah, I can totally imagine what this would sound like if it was like a well-produced product. That's just not, how it works. So I think being patient is, you know, goes to speak for all of us. I mean, whether it's me or Mike or, you know, a band that we manage or a band that we may manage in the future, or just, you know, you as a listener, as a local band, um, or, you know, an upstarting band, um, you know, patience is one of the single most important things. And look, if things aren't happening at a rate to where you anticipated them to happen, maybe you got to take a step back and look internally and be like, what are we doing wrong? If we're not where we set our goal to be, why aren't we getting there? What is it that we're doing wrong? And try and pivot and uh, maneuver in a way to where you'd be like, well, I see what isn't working. Maybe we got to focus more on this one thing that did work and let's put more of our efforts into that um, and whatever. So I think impatience is one thing, but keeping an eye on your 
on your movement is another thing and adapting where you can to continue to put forward momentum somewhere where it's not working. Well said. Yeah. All right. Well then that's it. That's it, buddy. That was the end of part three of our three-part series, Advice from the Industry. So you got advice from 15 people and Mike and I chiming in on each one of them. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, look, this was really cool. Again, as I said at the beginning of the episode, I mean, you know, I respect so many of these people. Some of them I know personally, some of them I don't. Some of them I'm just a fan of what they're doing and some of them I've never heard of. And I'm sure you're in the same boat. But, you know, what's cool is, again, to me, even for myself, like all of these things, you know, these, these are people, they're, they're cutting it down to its most simplistic form. And, you know, they're, they're, they're really doing us a favor by reminding us of these things. We may know these, but to just be able to reflect and talk through it with you, somebody who I trust and respect and, you know, uh, uh, you know, you're on this level as well. It's just such an awesome experience. So if you guys are out there listening again, thanks for that. Let us know what you thought. And, and even more importantly, if you liked one of the points that, that someone, you know, that we talked about, let them know. Because, you know, they're doing this for free. Nobody's getting rich um, uh, off of writing these blogs. They're doing it because of their love for helping artists. Yep. And that concludes episode 106. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions you may have for the podcast to me at askblasco at gmail.com. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, uh, any final parting thoughts? You guys, once again, you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at MikeOloop. And if you're interested in some of the tools that Outer Loop has developed in order to help artists take their career to the next step, go over to OuterLoopCoaching.com and see what we've got to offer. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Peace. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.